Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Puzzling Company. It's your host, Zach, and always with me is... It's Jared. It's Jared. It can only be Jared. Every kiss begins with I, I How dare you? What? It's the better jeweler. It is not the better jeweler. It, it is. Okay, just because your name's involved in a business... Automatically the better jeweler. Wrong. But, you know what? We can probably agree on something in this episode, right? What, what do you got? Who are we going to be talking about today on this episode? Oh, we better be in agreement on that, or this episode is going to be wildly confusing for our audience. I'm really excited because I really want to talk about something else instead. Let's uh, see what you have to say, though. I, to my understanding, we were talking about the fantastic at-home print-and-play digital hybrid games by CU Adventures. Okay, we can agree on that. That's okay, fine. excellent. Good. Cool. Well, we hope you guys are going to enjoy the episode. Uh, it, it's going to be definitely a blast, to say the least, uh, but we hope you stick around and enjoy. Zach, I'm I'm so sorry to hear about the robbery at your house last night. Are you okay? I'm fine. But Jared, literally no one broke into my house last night. But I do feel a little upset because you did stand me up for game night. Okay. Your text literally reads, break in tonight, exclamation point. Jared, that's literally the name of the game. It's a really cool new concept where you're trying to solve puzzles to break into the game instead of out of it. All their games follow really cool narratives about real-life places. We really should have people check it out in our show notes to get details on where they can pick up this game. So it's called Break In? Yes, it's Breaking In, not Breaking Out. I'm sorry. It's okay. All right, welcome back, guys. So in this segment, we're going to be discussing the game itself, which is Seaweed Adventures. It's not just one game, Jared, but it's it's two. How dare you? You lead me here to believe that we usually talk about one game— and now we're going to be talking about two. Exactly, yes. Well, I'm actually way more excited now. Hey, Exactly, <laughs> yes. Uh, so we're going to be talking about two games. One is The Lost Temple. Ooh. Ooh. The second is Floor 13. Oh, that sounds menacing as well. It sounds mysterious, I know. But we're going to be discussing both of those. In this segment, we're going to talk about, like, the goods of the game, what we really enjoyed about it, our overall thoughts, as well as the things that we thought could have room for improvement or have, like, some criticisms about the game. But overall, it's just for me and Jerry to go back and forth and kind of discuss how we felt. So I'm actually going to let Jared start this off. Jared, what's one of the things that we enjoyed about this game? So as we mentioned in our super brief intro, this game is at the intersection of print and play games, which if you're not familiar with that, is just something that is pretty self-explanatory. It's something you can download, print from your own printer, play at home, ready to go. Mm-hmm. But it also has a very, very strong digital component. and this is not a meeting point that we see a lot with games no not really it is very unique and if i'm being 100 percent honest when i first saw it i thought nah like probably won't work like print and play meets digital those are two wildly different worlds yeah and i just kind of wrote it off and then it other people that we knew recommended that we play this game we said Mm -hmm. okay and man was it satisfying it's a very solid game both of them both both Both, games both are really great games but what was so satisfying about it in my opinion is that the 
print and play version of it took care and kind of occupied that physical space that we really enjoy. So all the tangibility, the interactions that can't take place in a digital world, Mm -hmm. that's what we had the print and play for. And then most of the immersion, storytelling, those elements relied on the digital component. But then they came together really, really well. Yeah, it's like a melding pot between the two, and it it just both flowed into each other like very salt, like very, very well, right? I think the, and we'll talk about this more on both ends, but I think the design of the website, Mm. kind of their digital aspects. Was fantastic. Was so well done that if you, honestly, if you didn't have the paper aspects, like the website alone is yeah, I agree. Very solid. You can I make agree. a game out of that and make that work. I agree. The but obviously the print and play aspect of it perfected it. It gave yes. it like you said the tangibility. So that was really great to have that mix. Right. And just so everybody's aware, this game comes with different options on how you want to experience the physicality. Yes. There is what Zach and I opted to do, which is the print and play, but mm-hmm. they also have an upgraded version which is nice wooden pieces, wooden ciphers like really premium products that we come to expect in a lot of other experiences. So you can really experience this on a number of different levels, but we chose to experience it on the print and play because that is what we felt like most people would be experiencing on it. And it worked by all means. If you want the upgraded version, go and get it. I think it'll up the level even more, but we played it, printed it off at at my house, brought it into where we play our games and it played super well. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it was it was definitely a blast. And then the next thing that we really liked about it, which I've covered a little bit already, is the online gameplay like system and design. Mm. The website is flawlessly done. I agree. It is I don't think we've played a game like this where it has a layout or design that flows as well, but also tracks everything that you Agreed. do as well. Agreed. So in the game, right, just like any other kind of like uh, at home mystery, escape room, puzzle hunt. There are things, obviously, you are trying to find an answer. In this game, you will find things that you can pick up, so like keys, whatever, right, to unlock, open locks, doors, etc. It is able to track that, and it it tracks when you used it. Mm-hmm. It tracks when you picked it up. If you, like, accidentally, like, go back a page on your, like, on your webpage, it still tracks everything. You don't lose it accidentally for doing that. It just flawlessly makes you feel like you never lose track of what you've done. Absolutely. And then in the bottom, it has a spot for to show you exactly what you have, have still on you, what you've used, uh, your clue system, uh, the narration, if they do any of it through the website, which they do. I remember specifically in Lost Temple, I think there's some of it in Floor 13 as well. There are because there's a few hints that involve sound effects and stuff like that. But it's just all brilliantly like well done. It It, it blew my mind how well they did. Yeah, because they kind of took from older point-and-click, point-and-play systems and really just made it smooth. They sharpened it. It It's like modernized. Yeah, it was very modernized, and it felt very seamless. And again, it felt like the marriage between that system and the print-and-play, you know, eight-and-a-half, 11 piece of paper that we were cutting things out of and writing on. It felt like this all goes together. Yeah. And I just think it was super, super well done and very, as we'll talk about a second, very creative how they use some of those print and play elements. But that does lead us into the third thing that we really liked about this game is that it just had really great puzzles. Yes. Very, very much so. Very satisfying solves. 
We'll talk about this a little more when we're talking about our critiques, but we felt like that was a little more true of Lost Temple and a little less true of Floor 13 in our experience. Mm-hmm. But they just they just killed it on the puzzle. Like They were varied. They solved very cleanly. There was never a moment where we were wondering. And it worked also because it kind of gave that escape room feel of going room to room, exploration. That all fed yes. into what made the puzzles really fantastic, in my opinion. Yeah, very much agree with that. It, yeah. I mean, on a lot of fronts, it blew it out of the water. I think that's the best way I can explain yeah, it. Yeah, it just all came together. Yes. Every, every, every component of the game came together really well, and it was really strong. And I think the other thing that really drives home this is just the affordability of all of this. Yes, yeah, very much so. Because right now, we are sitting, thawing out from the cold front that came through the south. The snow, the snow of uh, 2021. <laughs> yeah, the, the snow apocalypse, yeah, or ice apocalypse based on where you were living. Yep. And uh, it, it was great on the price front, but also, like, this is a game that if you were like, oh, this is the worst podcast ever, but I really want to play a game, you could go play this game right now. Yeah. You don't have to wait for anything in the mail. Nope. It is a huge advantage of what they did. And the other thing that's really cool is it, it's a minimum of $10, but you can spend up to, I'd, I've never I've never tested the upper I limit. I don't know what the, <laughs> the higher limit. limit of the donation is. But if you wanted to go back and be like, yo, that was worth 20 well done, you can kick them extra money. And that and that yeah. helps them as well. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, affordability is huge, especially through trying times. Like when we originally played it, which was like early last year, or like middle was, of last year, it was yeah, it was like right as it was like when COVID, yeah, it, it, you know, and obviously everyone has been you know like quarantining at home and stuff like that during that time. For us, um, later a little bit on, we were able because we had been kind of quarantining like together at points. Um, we were able to play the game, and I mean, it was perfect. We couldn't do anything else, so it was really nice being able to just actually like sit down and spend like i think we spent like what like two hours hour and a half when we originally played lost temple yeah. and it, it was fantastic i mean it was it's perfect for those moments where we're just kind of stuck and we can't do anything else and i know obviously a lot of other people are like that yes the mail is not perfect right now yeah. packages do not come when they arrive True. however if you have a solid internet connection and a printer well you are in luck because you have a fantastic game that you can just pick up right now and play yeah absolutely so let's talk a little bit about uh, our constructive criticism. As we always say, these are our personal beliefs. They are well thought out, well researched. We go through, as we always mention, a pretty rigorous process every time we finish a game. But at the end of the day, these are Zach and I's thoughts, and and uh, we don't intend them to tear anybody down, um, but honestly, to build up the people that we are reviewing. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so. The dislikes that we're going to go down this route are actually going to be in the comparison of two games. Yeah. Because uh, both games, as we said, they're fairly solid. We would have to dig pretty deep to get into the nitty gritty. For each game. Of each game of what we didn't like. But in our opinion, there definitely is one game that was more solid than the other. And I think comparing and contrasting them against each other will help bring to light the elements of one that really worked versus the elements of the other one. Yeah. Agreed. So just flat out, we uh, much preferred uh, The Lost Temple to Floor 13. Yes. Um, like we said, both great games. Oh, would, absolutely. If they both dro- very solid. If they dropped four more games and I found that out right now, I would stop doing this podcast <laughs> and go play them. Do you want to go play? You, I'll, I'll oh, they've that. got more games out. Um, but we much preferred um, The Lost Temple. And I think that speaks a lot because usually the first time you play a game in a series, you're learning the do's and the don'ts. There's hiccups. 
There are systems that you may not be familiar with that take away your enjoyment from the game. And we've experienced that in other series that we've played. Yeah. That was not the case. Yeah, like, it was it, not the case in this it, one. It came out so smoothly and clean, and we want to talk about talk about why that is. So when we're when we're doing Floor 13 versus Lost Temple, Zach, what is the first thing that we noticed was a big difference between the two? I think the, the big difference that I specifically noticed a lot, and Jared will agree with this because it happened during our game, is the guessability of answers, specifically more in Floor 13 yes. than in Lost Temple. Now, do you mean that intentionally or accidentally guessing the answer accidentally okay um i don't think it's in like i never we never intended to like just purely like try to cheat the like you know right. i wouldn't say cheat's the right word but you know i it wasn't like my purpose to be like okay i'm gonna like try not to do the puzzle and just answer it right because we love doing the puzzle yeah there was just a few specifically in floor 13 that we did where i just and it, it could be a part of it right is that if you're more experienced you're playing more of these games you just kind of have an idea when you see a puzzle you go okay I see this layout. I see these things. I I assume it's this potentially, right? Yes. You know, we still kind of work it out, but in my head, I've already kind of solved it. So we had one clue specifically we did in floor 13 that I remember very well that Jared had put out the piece of paper and was staring at the grid of uh, uh, coffee stains is how <laughs> I'll put it. And in, don't get me wrong. It's not the hardest clue or the hardest puzzle by any means. Um, and I think it, it when we talk to them, I think it's intended that floor 13 is a little bit easier. It is. Yes. They they intended it to be a little more approachable. Than, than like Lost Temple. Right. Yes. So which, don't get me wrong. Which could also have added to why we enjoyed one more than the sure, other. Sure. Absolutely. Yes. Um, but specifically, there was one clue that I just, I instantly noticed what it was trying to do. And I let Jared kind of still work it out because I still wanted to see if like my idea was correct. But I pretty much told him what I thought it was going to be instantly. And it, it was exactly that. So, but we had a few cases of those where we just kind of like, I just saw something and I could, in my head, I could almost guess it. Yes. And then whenever like we would run through it, my answer was correct. So I was yes. like, okay, I could easily, if I wanted to have just skipped like right. two, may, I think in this game, it was like two puzzles specifically that I remember. I don't think there was much more. There might've been a little bit that we kind of like were able to work around it a little bit easier, but yeah, in this game specifically, cause I know in Lost Temple, I don't think there was any point that we really were able to accidentally stumble accidentally stumble upon right. an answer or figure it out ourselves without like without actually playing it right we didn't we didn't have to engage the process to yeah. get the answer and that's not horrible no but what it can turn into and we've played other games like this is especially because this happened early on in floor 13 yes it makes you wonder uh, oh was i just supposed to guess that answer yeah like was was i supposed to bring out um, outside information into this game. Yeah, potentially. So I think it's just super important uh, for game creators to remove common answers to themed puzzles mm -hmm. because otherwise your player may be confused if they accidentally guess the right answer and it makes them question what is actually going on in the experience. Yeah. Um, I've, uh, I have made games in the past. I, I, so one of the things we create is uh, citywide escape games. They're usually based loosely around a theme or a story. They're more of a puzzle hunt where you're researching. Yeah. But what we made a big mistake on in the very first one we made is that our answers were so thematically appropriate that some of our teams were just plugging in answers. Like an example is there was an Egyptian-based puzzle. People were trying pyramid and sphinx um, when they could not get the answer and could skip the hints. And then just moving on, and it kind of ruined the competitive aspect. Yeah. And that and creates questions of fairness and things like that. So I think it's just really smart for creators to 
keep things on theme and story driven, but be careful that answers don't flow based purely off of just looking at a puzzle without engaging it. Yeah, absolutely. Because then then players don't know the rules. Yeah, and I think another thing um, that kind of was a, a critique of the games was like the driving force between the games. What do you mean by that? Kind of how the games just are very, oh, I don't know the right word, I would say different, but they, they don't like, in like a series, right, usually like the first one, is kind of the one that maybe gets you more introduced to the game series, like in the style. And then Floor 13 is just different. It's very different. Very different. It, not, I mean, obviously it's the same like layout of the website. It's the same. I mean, it's a print and play digital mix. So they're the same on that, on that aspect, but they're just different styles of games. One is uh, like Floor 13 is about this mysterious floor in an office building when you go back in. And you uh, find out you've been transported to uh, "quote unquote" hell, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, the other one is uh, this lost temple where you kind of get um, characters and you meet like the professor. Yes. So you're trying to figure out where like they've gone, and you have to go through old files. Uh, you get to meet a very entertaining and surprise guest uh, halfway through it, who maybe talks to you a little bit too much and is you know. Maybe lost uh, his body and just has his head is the way I'll put it. Um, but it just, they just are two different types of games. And I think one just try, like the driving force of one is just completely different than the other. Yes. I, I don't know if I explained it really well, but that's how I felt. Yes. Right? It was, um, I've thought about this a little bit. Are, do you watch The Office at all? Oh, Jared. I, I, of course, watch The Office. So there is an episode of The Office. It's a Halloween episode. Yes. And Aaron uh, asks Gabe to amp up and adultify the Halloween party. Oh, it's the oh, and you're talking about the video that yes. comes in and it's and then, just horribly and then graphic. Gabe Gabe brings in it's I think it's called Cinema of the Unsettling. Yes. And and there's a comment made by I think it's like I think it's Meredith. I could be wrong about this, mm -hmm. but she says, like, what is this even about? And Gabe says something to the effect of, Well, I think the creators uh, found out that even a, a narrative would be truly comforting. And and it's just that element. And I, I kind of felt that in Floor 13 is like there were no characters. There were no th – there's definitely a driving force. But Absolutely. It, but it, maybe it's purely just the narrative of that game was just so eerie and atmospheric that we just preferred a character and even really cool characters. Yeah. One specifically that I don't want to ruin – that is in uh, the Lost Temple. Yeah, but um, it just felt like the the games were being driven differently, and I think Floor Thirteen or not Floor Thirteen, Lost Temple just had a better vibe, a better flow to the overall experience versus Floor Thirteen. And obviously, I think the part that I think Jared covered a little bit, it's I think it's intentional. The game it is it is intentional. Yes, Floor Thirteen is about the myster the mystery of what's going on on the floor. So it's kind of very eerie. You're trying to figure out what's going on. Now, they do a good job of setting the theme. So you very quickly, you quickly learn what has happened in the office, but you don't know what's causing everything no, to happen in the office. Right. So then the hunt of the whole game is to figure out what's happening at the end. Then you confront the thing or the happening. Yes. And try to like end it and be able to escape the floor. Right. That's that's the game. While in Lost Temple, like you said, you get like a whole narrative of characters and a building that you have to kind of flow through. And, yeah, and it was, and then you end up in a uh, Cthulhu-esque inspired <laughs> temple. Um, not that it is exactly that, but you know, it, I think the narrative is also just, like you said, it just is more. 
it almost holds your hand a little bit better. Like it feels like you're following the narrative the entire way. And it kind of like clearly tells you this is what's going on. Yes. While on floor 13, you don't know. And that's kind of the, f- that's part of the fun of it, yes. but also can be kind of a different force. Right? It is. It is. So I, I would just, uh, if you're going to play one, uh, cause we're going to wrap up this section talking about our overall thoughts, mm-hmm. uh, lost temple, a little bit more difficult, a little bit more time consuming than floor 13. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think a big reason for that in talking with Ann and Chris, the creators from CU Adventures, is that this is based on one of their actual games. Yeah. So they were able to bring that home a little bit more and not start from scratch, whereas Floor 13 was a, a adventure from scratch. Yes. So, so that could play into it as well. But um, what, give me your overall thoughts between the games. Uh, I love both a lot. If you have to ask me, like like we talked about, if there was a clear winner, I would say Lost Temple. I think Floor 13 had a lot of fun in it. I I definitely had a blast with the beginning of the game in Floor 13, getting set up with the, the mythology and what's kind of yes. the representation of what's happening. While in Lost Temple, the narrative is very fun. I think the puzzles were great. I mean, overall, they're both a blast. I'd recommend both, like, 100%. Yeah, I agree. You should You should definitely play both. Very cost-effective, and yes. you'll have a really great time. The only thing standing in your way is, do you have a printer or not? <gasps> I don't. Well, that's going to wrap us up for our first second. Hang on. We'll be right back with Puzzles to the People. Solve puzzles, write reviews, win prizes. It's time for Puzzles to the People. All right, Zach. Pick a card, any card. Dude, we are supposed to be doing an ad right now. Okay, I know, just just be cool, Zach. You know I always wanted to be a magician. I don't think this is the right time or medium for a magic trick. But okay, I've picked a card. Okay, look at it and don't tell me what it is. And how's the audience going to know what card this is? Just just be cool, man. I, I just got this new Enigmas card deck, and I just wanted to show you a new trick I've been working on. Oh, Jared, I'm sure your trick's going to be great. But there's something you don't know about that deck. Okay. I see what's happening. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. What? You think you're a better magician than me. You think you know more about this deck of cards than I do. You're trying to heckle me and usurp the great Jared Zini. Jared, Jared, Jared. Well, I did back the project on Kickstarter, and I've been playing the puzzle game hidden inside. There's actually a full puzzle hunt you can discover. I imagine you got those over at davidkwongmagic.com. Nice try, Zach, but a magician never reveals his secrets. Magician's code. Well, if you're looking for an amazing experience from a real magician... I'm sitting right here. Then head over to davidkwongmagic.com and pick up Enigma's Puzzle Hunt playing cards. All right, everybody, welcome back. Thanks for hanging with us. We're now here into a section that we call Puzzles to the People. And what we love to hear during this part of the show is your thoughts. And we went a little different on today's. What? A majority of the things that Zach and I will be agreeing or disagreeing with are actually thoughts from our colleagues and friends. Ooh, so we different. have we have uh, a bunch of fellow excerpts of reviews from fellow reviewers like us. And we're going to dive into what they say as well as, as well as give them a shout out because we really do have a really great community. Shout out to them. Of people who review games. Yeah. So the first one is from our friends David and Lisa over at Room Escape Artist, which, by the way, Leek, 
we have them coming on the show. What? Uh, I believe next episode. Really? For a really cool episode for a game that everybody has been talking about. Ooh, I'm very excited to talk But we'll about it. we'll leave that uh till the end of the episode. What are you talking about? I didn't know this. I know. You didn't get the inner office memo. What? But uh here's what they said about this game. Whether you're judging the Lost Temple on price, polish, or puzzles, solid alliteration there you guys. Nice. It is going to come out near the top of games created to play during the quarantine. High praise there, Zach. Are you on board? I'm going to agree with this. I, I think I strongly agree. It's now uh, let's cover all three points. Price, right? The price of it, um, it's a donation system. So it starts off as $10, $15, and then you can pay as much as you want for the game. Affordable for everyone. Literally anyone can play this game. Uh, if it's like a less unfortunate family or if it's someone who, uh, who's who been lucky in life in a little way, you know, um, you are able to get it. And, uh, you know, next part, polish. Very, very well done. Yeah. Obviously, the website, the digital aspect is phenomenal. The paper product that you actually get for the print and play part of it is also very well done. Now, you know, it's paper, right? But I think the crazy part about this game that we didn't give it praise earlier is what they've been able to do with the paper. Yes, that's that's a really good point. It's it, They blew it out of the water on the paper aspect because sometimes when I play these games, I'm worried that the paper aspect is not going to live up to the expectation of what you could potentially would do with them. And I was very blown away specifically when we played Lost Temple because that's the first time I played a print and play, what they did. And then when we got to Floor 13, they they were able to do the same thing again. So very kudos to both of those. And then the puzzles, we gave it praise earlier. But, I mean, let's say there was 30 puzzles in both, like in total of, between, Which, both yes, experiences, between both experiences. 29 of them, I would say, were very, very, very solid. Yes. There's maybe one that I could critique a little bit, but overall, yeah, very, very great. I, I agree that all, all three of the P's it hits on true and even to say at the end there that it's near the top of games created to play quarantine you've got to realize what that's comparing it to yeah because one of the things we do not cover on our show and probably won't for the foreseeable future is any type of uh, live game avatar led game yeah because the intersection that we are spending the time with our podcast at is things that have some level of tangibility at your house uh, so we won't be covering video games. We won't be covering any type of avatar game. There's got to be at least one physical component to a game for us to want to review it. But that being said, there are some fantastic avatar games out there that if yes. you're listening, you should play. We're not knocking on them. We're just saying that's not our lane. Exactly. And uh, f- even for this, which is not a live avatar game, for games that cost way more, I agree. I've played some of the best ones out there that if you – head over to the escape room enthusiast group and see what they're saying. This, this is in the top 10 of quarantine based games. Yeah. I fully believe. And that's compared to very expensive sets that are in some of these backgrounds of these lives, characters that are interacting with you in real time. Mm-hmm. This holds up. And I, and I do agree with what David and Lisa have to say. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. All right. Uh, next one is from our friends CC and Brandon over at Escape the Rumors. What up? Shout out to them. They said this more high praise. This was the best multiplayer platform digital game that we've played so far. Ooh, that is very high praise. That that's a lot of games to that, compare. That is against. a lot of games to compare it against. Um, I'm gonna say I agree though. I I 100 percent or I say 100. percent I agree with this very strongly. 
it is by far one of the best multiplayer platform digital games that I think we've played yes. by, by a mile. Yes. Um, the way that it works, right? The other interesting part, which we have not covered, but they covered a little bit actually in this review, is that you can play this from anywhere, right? So what we mean by that is let's say uh, I, is, for some reason, I've gone to California. Jared has Blizz, the rest of it. Blizz, at, BlizzCon? I went, well, yeah, if it was if it was live this year. <laughs> yeah. Currently, actually, it's it's on the, it's on the, you know, it's actually online right now. But um, yeah, so let's say I was in California and Jared is in his nice home with his family. He could be playing the game and ask me to play with him. I would be able to get the digital version of the game and kind of log into the website and be another person in the game. And yeah, I'd be and able sync to, up. I'd be able to sync up with them. I'd be able to mess around in the digital space like he is. It also would be able, I could technically print out the paper my own. So like we could, or, you know, by myself and stuff like that. It just, it's almost the perfect way of being able to just have multiple people play this game. I agree. It's, it's crazy how solid it is. I agree. It was from a technology standpoint, yeah. whoever built this. And I think they talk a little bit about that in, they do. in their interview. Yeah, yeah. Um, that individual destroyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I just think it was simple but elegant, and they did a really great job. Yeah. All right, number three is from our friend Matt over at Escape Matster. What up? And they said, Temple, now talking about the Lost Temple, Mm -hmm. is an insanely inexpensive option to experience with an entertainment value far trumping some competitors, costing twice or even thrice. Great use of thrice there, Matt. The admission price. I agree. Um, you know, you don't even have to ask me if I disagree or agree. I agree. We've given it such high praise already on its price point as well as the entertainment value you do get from the game. We've uh, actually just kind of talked about it a little bit versus other Avatar-type games and stuff like that. Games like this, it blows it out of the water in comparison. Now, there are games, like uh, Jared has talked about, some very solid Avatar pure digital games that give you... For the price, like you might pay a lot more, and it gives you really solid aesthetics, characters. Don't me wrong; you should play those; those are great. Yes, but if you're if you're comparing it, this does as well as those, and is it's cheaper by like a decent amount. So what they've been able to do with the the price and the entertainment value is just insane. I agree. Yeah, price on point, and it does. It just it creates such value. It's it's not something that we talk about a lot on the show, value. Mm-hmm. And that's oftentimes because we don't want to mess with anybody's money out there by saying sure. this game was too expensive or inexpensive. Agreed, because yeah. I feel like that is very relative to your financial situation. Very true. Uh, even though a lot of what we talk about here is subjective, but this is just one of those rare situations where it's like, this only makes the game better because yep. I could very easily see myself play, paying twice or thrice and being not upset and saying, oh yeah, that was that was it. Because you could pay $30 a Zoom connection link per, mm. per person or per household to play some of these Avatar games and I think you may even have a better time playing this. Yeah. All right. I'm going to keep this next one short and sweet. This is from Victoria. Shout out to Victoria for giving us some feedback. Shout out. Uh, this one is, uh, I don't know if I would even call this critical, but it does bring up a good point that I want to talk about. Uh, she said, just did Lost Temple. It was really fun, but a little too much cutting for me and my partner. Ooh, okay. That does bring up a good point. So I agree. This game was really fun, and uh, they did Lost Temple. We did Lost Temple, so I can agree on that as well. There we go. Uh, the little too much cutting for my partner. 
So for us, I didn't feel it as much, you know, but here's the thing about these games. And, it, and it's brought up a very good point. Specifically in Lost Temple, there is a lot of cutting out for some of the clues, right? And I can understand if someone finds that cutting out, let's say 10 to 15 clues is a lot. And yeah. some of them are big. Some require you to cut in different directions. You know, it's not like a simple, like, cut a square for some of them. Some of them require you to Pre- very, precisely, precisely yeah. do it, you know. So I get it. Like, uh, it's a lot of cutting. Now, I think one of the things that Floor 13 does well in comparison is I think it has way less cutting, if I remember it correctly. I think you're It right. has a lot of paper clues, but less of it is about cutting it out. Yes, I agree. So I think that's kudos to them for maybe, uh, on purpose or not, being able to do that for that game where it felt less cumbersome, to some, maybe to some people, of like cutting out stuff. And we've played some games where cutting is very important and very precise to where Jared will very clearly tell you that uh, he's a big scaredy cat of cutting small little squares that he always asks me to do. I'm not the cutter. I I think I missed out on some fine motor skill development as a child. Me too. It's okay. I don't hold my pencil correctly. Same. And uh, so I I try to be indirect about it whenever Zach and I pick up a game that requires folding or or very, like, fine manipulation of physical objects, yep. I'll usually grab onto something else to where the only thing that's left is, is the, the, thing is the folding or cutting. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, it would be great if you, if you did that. Or Jared picks it up, looks at it, and he goes, ah, and then gives it to me. And, and I go, just, yeah, I got it. Although we are going to be talking about a game coming up that we were playing where I, I took charge. I was very proud of you, yes. Like, I, someone had to step up. And both of us weren't willing to, and I was like, "I'm gonna cut the dang thing." I'm so, I'm so. And proud of you, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we found a way around it. And, and we, and, we worked around it and again. ended up not cutting. So maybe that's a bad example. Yeah, but here's the thing: you you attempted to try, yes, and then we realized we didn't have to. So it's okay. Shout out to all my people out there who are not the cutters in their group, and <laughs> shout out, and have uh, and have somebody else that can handle those yeah. those detail oriented things. All right, I want to move into my last one and. Okay. Uh, this is just to talk about conceptually the idea of print and plays in general. Sure. There are more cons than pros to print and play experiences. Agree or disagree? Ooh, okay. Because this isn't a genre that we cover. We haven't yeah. covered yet. Yeah, we haven't. But covered. it is It is a genre that is out there. There's some really great print and play things out there. This is especially true for games that are focused at younger players. Mm-hmm. So... In a nutshell, do you think there's more cons than pros to print and play experiences? Ooh. Okay, this is hard because I'm going to – so this is obvious, but I'm going to – I have to to compare it to a lot of things. So – Like you mean different types of experiences? Other types of media sure. for these types of Fair. games, right? So digital, at home, subscription, you know, like everything. If you – I'll be honest. I'll just give my straight-up point on it. I think there are more cons. Oh, interesting. So I could argue as well – you know, the things that it does differently that, you know, you have to compare by itself, right? So you are paying for a print and play. So the quality compared to like at home one-time experiences that you can pay like a good solid amount of money for. Premium, yeah. Premium. Now, obviously they're going to be different polishes to them. One's going to definitely seem cheaper than the other, but you're paying that, right? So if you're paying a print and play, let's say it's $10 and you get you know, 15 pieces of paper, maybe something else, right? You're getting paper. So the quality is the paper. Now, there you can do a lot of really cool things. That's the part that I could agree that I think there's some good pros to them, what they can accomplish with such, like, little space almost. Yes. But I think, like, when you ask me what I want to play or what I potentially, like, if you gave me, let's say, three games in front of me, 
right? Let's say you put a print and play, you put a box, like a, almost like a mass market, yes. you know, like an unlock box in front sure. of me. And then you gave me like a subscription service, like a, an envelope, maybe a Scarlet envelope. Oh, maybe a Scarlet you know, envelope. You're going to ask me which one I want to play. Nine times out of 10, I'm going to probably say that the print and play is my last. I got you. I just think there is more, I think I get more expectations out of other types of games that I think it's going to be solid and, and like I'll, I'll enjoy it personally. And I'm just scared, I would say, that I think print plays can't do enough. Mm. Uh, and luckily, we've learned through Floor 13 and Lost Temple that they can do a lot. Yes. And I haven't played min- much more, so don't get me wrong. I'm very excited to try others and see what they can do. But I just think there's way more that can go wrong in those types of games. Yes. It is. You're, I feel like the core premise of the argument is that you're trading accessibility for quality exactly and given that opportunity you would much rather pay more money for a quality experience in terms of maybe not necessarily the puzzle quality but the material quality yes. the tangible quality of what you're getting yourself into mm-hmm. and i agree it, it it for me it just really falls on subjectively what are you looking for in a game what yeah. what do you value in a game because i will tell you this premium materials do not cover up bad puzzles Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and I know there there's games out there that think that they can get away with really nice graphics and a nice outside looking box, and then you open it up and it's garbage inside. So what I will say is, puzzle quality can really shine through regardless of medium. Oh, hundred percent agree. But if you, but I guess what you're saying is, if I get the same puzzle quality, I'll take a higher tangibility quality versus the paper that it comes on yeah i can understand that and and because it does like print and plays ask you to do some work ahead of time right we had to bust out the scissors and do this and that so it's you it's it is a trade-off but i think it's it's what you're looking for because i've uh, i've played a few more print and plays than you have i believe yeah um but um and some of them have been good and some of them have been not so good but there is a I don't know what the word I want to use here is. There is a advantage to them because I can just have it right now. And I think that's so prevalent in our culture, just that ability to instantly give your customer the product yeah. versus uh, having to wait. I kind of like the wait a little bit because um, it kind of builds up the anticipation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I can see where you're coming from. I'm, I, I think what I would say is like agree to disagree that it's what your preferences are going to determine that. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a good discussion there, Zach. Yeah, it was. Uh, We're going to take a quick break before our last segment, Questions for Creators. You guys hang around with us. There are some awesome people who make the puzzles we love to solve. This is Questions for Creators. Dude, I played the best game last night. Um, Jared, I thought we played all our games together. Well, Well, traditionally we do, but this game was designed to be played by yourself. It's called Box One, and it's a new game from Neil Patrick Harris and Theory 11. Jared, I'm hurt. What am I supposed to just believe that there's clearly this made-up story of a game that's meant for only one person, and you couldn't even come up with something more clever than just Box One? Okay, you know what? I'm done. Call me when there's a Box Two. Well, if you're not salty and you're looking for a truly awesome single-player experience, head to your local Target to pick up Box One. If you don't have or know what Target is, 
beg Angela Lawson Scott to ship you a copy internationally. Wow, that was a sick ad, right, Jared? <laughs> the sickest. I know, crazy sick. Um, but yeah, welcome back, guys. Uh, this is Questions for Creators. In this part, we are going to discuss and ask questions to the amazing people who create the game. So, Jared, I have a very serious question I need you to answer. You're just like all over the grid of emotions today. Like you were, we were laughing, we were laughing coming into this, and then you get really. <laughs> what do you mean? I can't, I can't deal with it right now. What do you mean, Jared? This is an emotional roller coaster. I didn't sign up for. It's okay. You're along for the ride now. Um, so, who are we going to have on the show today? Well, today we have Ann and Chris from <gasps> CU Adventures. What? They are based out of Illinois here Ooh. in the United States. Shout out to Illinois. They got some snow. You better, be, snow. They better, better believe that. But unlike us here in the South, people up in the North and the Midwest know how to prepare for these things. That is true. So, I'm sure they made it out a little better than we did. But we are super excited to be spending some time with them. And we're going to hop right into that interview. Can you guys say your names for everybody listening today? And what were you doing before you made the CU Adventures at Home Games? I'm Chris Lukeman. My name is Ann Lukeman. And we're the owners of Champaign Urbana Adventures in Time and Space, an escape room in central Illinois. Um, before the pandemic, we were just regular old uh, in person escape room owners. We had uh, five games. Um, CU Adventures was one of the first escape rooms in Illinois. I think we were among the first 10, certainly. We opened back in 2015. Um, and our, our our games are really cool. We we really have a, a strong background in production design and storytelling. And that's kind of what we like to uh, focus on in our escape room games. How did you guys come up with your new games? And what kind of drove you to take a chance on doing it? Sure. So in uh, two, you know, in... Mid-March, Illinois was under a full shutdown, like a full stop, uh, stay-at-home order that was pretty strongly enforced. So we had, uh, at the time, a large number of staff, um, somewhere in like the 18, 18 to, 20, to range. 20 people range. and Mostly um, part-timers, but but a few full-timers too. Some were, some were able to go on assistance, uh, some were not, and we wanted to do what was best to protect our staff. And then um, it seemed like the government funding was coming around the first round of the payroll protection program that allowed us to pay people. Uh, so we had the capacity to pay people, but everyone was required to be at home. We were one of the really early recipients of it. So like we literally could not have people come into the office, even if we wanted to, which we didn't. Um, so we tried to uh, conceptualize a game that would use some of the strengths of our staff being at home, um, that would use some of the strengths of a vast amount of production design that we had established um, from a physical escape room that we've designed and redesigned several times, uh, but had recently permanently retired. And we kind of put all that together in a blender and came up with The Lost Temple, which is a uh, digital game. Um, we've had available since early May. We uh, we partnered with a, a friend of ours, Barry Abrams, who is a really, really amazing um, kind of uh, website guy, graphic design guy. Uh, he builds a lot of stuff for us. He has designed uh, uh, custom video games for our rooms. He's he's done a whole lot of stuff, but we we partnered with him to to get kind of the web interface uh, half of it going. Um, and then, like Chris mentioned, Lost Temple had been one of our earliest games that we had around for a long time physically. 
So we had a lot of very cool props that we could take pictures of. And we tried to kind of leverage uh, the fact that this was an actual game that actually existed in real space to make it feel more like an immersive escape room. Um, we also have really, really talented staff. Our game masters are, uh, for the most part, like just come from a background of acting or playing D&D or other kind of performance-based things. So um, we kind of leaned on them to do some of the voiceover work. Uh, so we did a lot of voiceover for almost every part of the game. And uh, as well as sound design, which I think really makes the game feel really, really cool. Yeah, I'm not sure any uh, digital escape room that's out there, uh, short of something you would unequivocally classify as a video game has as much voiceover work as lost temple does. Uh, and that was just a, a happy accident that, that we were able to commit our staff to it. And our staff was great at it. So one of the things that we like about your games a lot is that the format is very unique. How did you decide on that? Hmm, that's an interesting question. I mean, we hadn't really played very many at home. We played a few escape room in a boxes at that point, the, the commercially available ones. Um, and you know, they're, they're a lot of fun, but they don't really replicate kind of that, that feeling of being in an escape room. And that's really what we wanted to try and replicate that actual feeling. So it couldn't just be stuff on a table because we needed a way to, to gate it a little bit better. And we wanted to have audio and music and voiceover. We wanted to make it feel like a real like multimedia experience. There was video, there's video in Lost Temple, there's audio in Floor 13. Yeah. Uh, I mean, April, March and April, uh, play at home escape rooms were definitely still in the wild west. There were a few companies that were, were doing established concepts, but this was long before Telescape came out. It was long before, you know, Ready Mayor One was doing doing his thing with avatar driven stuff. Like I, I think everyone saw the writing on the wall pretty fast that avatar driven games were happening, but there wasn't any sort of formalization for other games that escape room companies were making that were play at home. There were a few from before the pandemic. Um, and there were a few that I think were kind of happy accidents where their Kickstarter had been in 2019 or something like that. And they were, they were getting ready to deliver around May, but we were really able to take a step back and hit a good medium for what can we do really well and smoothly and what makes for a great experience for players. Um, and that's kind of where we've settled on the interface, like uh, 3d, you know, 3d click around photos and stuff like that were great in theory, but we weren't sure we could pull them off in a way that looked clean. We weren't sure how players would interact with them. So we settled on sort of our loose, loosely, it feels like an adventure game a little bit um, without the, the, the landscapes of monkey Island. Uh, yeah. Well, we, we had a lot of conversations about it back uh, when we were starting it because we didn't want to make a video game. Like there are a lot of people out there who make really good video games and that's not what we do. So we didn't want to feel like we had to push ourselves into graphics that would make it a video game because there's just, there's no reason to do that for what we were trying to do. Uh, we used a lot of the structure that we use in our normal games. So three kind of general spaces where you're often going to be going back and forth, but generally that helps kind of control the flow of the game. We really wanted to have that feeling of like, I unlocked a thing and I found a thing and I can pick it up and look at it. So that's where the, you know, like, okay, you unlock this drawer. Now look at page three. It's all these letters that you can read came from is that we wanted to have that feeling. Uh, and then of course, Lost Temple more than any of our other games has a lot of kind of arts and crafts elements to it because we wanted to 
push the medium and see, see what we could do. So there's a lot of cutting and folding that I think is pretty hit or miss if people like it or not. People who like it, love it. The people who don't like it find it really tedious. Um, but I mean, we just wanted to, to make it tactile. We wanted to, you know, make it feel not like a video game, but like an escape room that you are playing in your home. Yeah. Um, we, uh, it's that balance between immersion and the puzzle design that we wanted to hit really well. Like, uh, in a video game, you're allowed to make super immersive spaces that can that can dominate the experience. And that's not what we thought we could do well, but we thought we could make an atmospheric space that's really fun to play in, but doesn't get in the way of the puzzles. What difficulties did you have, like, blending the digital aspects of the game and the physical aspects? And what areas did you think that this worked really well in? One thing that we learned really, really fast is that nobody has printers. Yeah, that was uh that was a fun uh, uh we had suspicions about it, but uh that was a fun thing to experience. I think, I think everybody's just using their printers at work when they need to print stuff and then nobody was at work. So it was kind of a problem. Uh so that was that was a fun limitation. But also, you know, when we were designing it, we were designing it as a print and play, so we weren't sure how people were gonna interact with it. We didn't have control of what the final product looked like. So there was a lot of thought and care put into okay, if you have to cut out two pieces of paper and put them together, they have to be on the same page because what if people print them out and they're at different um, uh, zoom sizes or different, you know, different orientations or something like that. So anything that would have to go together had to be on one page. Um, we didn't want to be total incogs. So we we did stuff in black and white and we, we lightened it up in some places and then we found we went too far. So we had to push it back. Um, there was a surprising amount of beta testing and getting, you know, the the PDF, like just the correct format. So it would hopefully work with everybody's printers. Yeah. And then we did a big old like pain in the butt check on everything, like had everyone that we could play, like, is this too onerous to expect people to do? Um, cause our, uh, our digital games are not the easiest in the world, but they're also not like grueling, um, sort of puzzle hunt level, you know, five hour experience. They're long, but I think they're approachable. Yeah. We try to make our puzzles more approachable. Like you don't need to know how to, you know, do some of the more typical puzzle hunt, puzzle solvey kind of things. You know, we're not going to expect you to anagram anything unless we tell you to anagram something. Uh, we're not going to expect you to do like a rot 13 situation unless we explain how to do that in the game. Our, uh, our approach to sort of the digital puzzle design is the same thing we look at when we're doing our physical room design in that we want to make an experience that is a good gateway intro experience to escape rooms, to puzzling for everyone. We want this to at least be theoretically play, playable by the grandparent with two kids for the afternoon. And if they're, they're not a group that really is interested in puzzling, they're probably not going to have a great time. But if they're there and just haven't had the opportunity, they're going to like the game and they're going to be able to succeed at the game. And after we sort of do that pass, we take a step back and say, okay, so we've got these puzzles or these interesting things that we're doing with the game. What can we do to make sure it's a satisfying experience for enthusiasts? Like we always do that pass. There's very rarely we'll take a, a super generic puzzle and have it be nothing new added to it. Either the art design is going to be perfect Either it's going to fit thematically into what players are doing in some way or into the story of what players are doing some way, or we're going to take an expectation about that puzzle 
and twist it at least a little bit to make it a little bit interesting to somebody who's played 30 or 40 of these things. Yeah. And a lot of the ways that we kind of modulate difficulty for experiences like that in our real life games, um, are, are through game master interaction and hints. And we try to do it as in world as possible. So people who need more hints don't feel like they're getting a million hints. That's a little harder to do, um, in this digital space, but on the plus side, there's no time limit. So, you know, enthusiasts will finish in 60 to 90 minutes and sometimes first timers or people who aren't as experienced or groups with kids, you know, young kids, they might, uh, do a couple hours and then take a break and then come back the next day or something like that. Um, that's been one of the shocking things we've heard, yeah. uh, between our beta tests and releasing to the public, we've put loose like time expectations on all of our games and um, we always hear back from groups that like, oh man, that was fun. It took us four and a half hours, took us five hours to do. And uh, that's been a challenge to approach from a marketing perspective because I, I don't want to feel super disingenuous saying that it's, uh, and I don't want to make people feel like dumb when it takes them a long time. But I also feel like no one will believe us if we put out a game and say the time limit is takes players between 60 to 540 minutes like that's just it feels like something's wrong but the game's playing fine like right yeah and and these groups aren't groups that are giving up on it they're groups that are having a lot of fun and finishing it but um you know they just they are playing it in a different way than the way an enthusiast would play which i think is fine it's great um including our our self-service hints uh in the the website was was something that was absolutely necessary um i love players being able to take as many hints as they want whenever they want, because the game should be fun. Um, and, uh, that, that's one of the big things that we, you know, that was a must have when we were doing the the game design for sure. Yeah. We wanted to do at least a little bit of, uh, we, we, we increment the hints, I think really well, which is always appreciated. And then even if players have to like click through to the end, they get the feeling that they know how the puzzle works in a way that doesn't talk down to them. Yeah. Yeah. We try to, we try to make the hints very vague and, and at least give you a sense of puzzle solving as you're clicking through all the hints. And so at the end, it's not just saying this is the answer. You understand how you got to that answer. How do you go about creating the puzzles in your games? Uh, Lost Temple was a special case. So this was a game that we opened with a version of it in 2015 uh, we redesigned to a different version. Uh, we totally did 100% repuzzle in 2016 because we changed how escape rooms, our theory on how escape rooms should work. Right. Yeah. So, so the the very first game we opened yeah. it uh, opened with was a version of of this. It's the same story. We called it Office Hours. And even before we opened, I ran it as a tabletop game um, in in Call of Cthulhu. So it's something that we've really had a lot of. We've, we've put a lot of thought into the world, into the universe, into, um, you know, how things work. Uh, but as Chris said, we, it was our first escape room. We didn't know how to design escape rooms. So we saw what worked. We saw what didn't. We kind of reconfigured it into, uh, the lost temple, which ran for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. And it had the added bonus of after we repuzzled all of the people who had tried us originally got to come back and play it again. And, um, they were having just as much fun with it. Like, we threw in some extra things like a super difficult challenge mode where if you beat the new version of the game with no hints, you get free T-shirts for all of your team. We and had stuff probably, like what, th- three or four groups do that? Three it was or four really groups hard. did it. One of them did it because they played the game twice. Uh, 
but that's their choice. They, they got they got shirts out of it, so it wasn't, and they didn't fly through it as fast as I think they were thinking they would in the second time. Um, and I love talking about how this game was originally tested. Anna and kind of glazed over it, but um, before we opened, before we had our physical location that we were building out, she ran it as a uh, Call of Cthulhu game, uh, which is sort of a Lovecraftian Dungeons and Dragons. Um, tabletop game. It uses the D100 system, which I love. Yeah. At, uh, at Gen Con, uh, what was that? 2015? Yeah, I think it was, it was right before we opened. Uh, so this gigantic gaming convention in Indianapolis, um, and she set players around the table, said, this is going to be an atypical sort of, uh, Call of Cthulhu game in that you are 90% of the time just in this single room and you have the following things to investigate. And they were like, well, I want to search the the middle desk drawer. And she's like, you find these papers. And uh, that was an awesome way to test puzzle design. Yeah, it was a fun way to test the puzzles. It was a very yeah. handout, handout heavy game. And then we included a little bit of combat at the end just for funsies when they went into the portal into the secret Lovecraftian temple. Yeah, it was also a great way to test the story too. Um, and so we had a huge amount of lore and backstory that we just didn't include in the physical escape room. We had puzzle designs that we abandoned because they didn't seem practical, but they were still floating around in the back of our minds. And of course, we had two full versions of the escape room game uh, with all of the different puzzles to pull from when when we were looking to, to do this digital game. Yeah. So the the end product of Digital Lost Temple, we like to say it, even players who remember the, the 2015 version of this game and have played the, the 2016 to 2019 version... It has an hour of new puzzles. We we repuzzled a few things. We took concepts from others and totally reskinned them, um, and then we created a pretty safe cushion of an hour of new content. So we were able to bring sort of the best of the best from what we had tested, like puzzles we knew worked, puzzles we knew players enjoyed, uh, and bring that to a national audience, international audience. And then also we were able to include enough new content that uh, our local fans would always be there as a backbone of uh, sales and hype and... And it worked out really well. Yeah, our our local fan community rules. Uh, We just have the... I think we live in the best community in the country. And uh, the people who are here who, you know, who come and play our games really truly love and care for us. and, And it's awesome. Uh, yeah, we released the game as a like kind of lower budget end game because we knew once it was out there, it required almost no upkeep on our end. Like we made it to be very self-sufficient after the initial uh, calls about minor tech support and minor hint support. You know, we got all the, the flaws ironed out of the system and uh, it kind of just runs on its own. Uh, we put it out as a pay what you want with a $10 minimum. Um, so $10 minimum keeps it as a really cheap game, uh, in the grand scheme of things, especially for the puzzle content and well, the yeah, And especially, you know, it's a pandemic. Nobody had any money, like yeah. nobody has any money. Um, we wanted to make sure this, this game could be played by anybody who wanted to, you know, anybody who is just like desperate to do something at home, uh, no matter how long it takes, it was especially in, in May and uh, June when we released it, everyone was just so happy to have something to do. And then with the the pay what you want model, it uh, it allowed our true fans. It allowed people who were still you know working their office jobs, albeit at home, to uh, 
support us in a way that was very meaningful and helped mm-hmm. us uh, not have to go into crippling debt this year. Hooray. Last year. Big question for y'all. What can we expect for the future of CU Adventures and the at-home space? Do you have any other ideas for like different types of games you can do in the future? Well, uh, what we have out so far is, of course, The Lost Temple, which was our first game, which we've talked about a lot. Um, Floor 13, which was uh, a little bit shorter. Um, it is a little bit... It's it's takes place in a haunted office building, so it, it's really great for corporate team building, but I think it's fun for everybody, too. Yeah, it's like an atmospheric ghost story. Like, it's yeah. not a horror game at all, but it's a little spooky if you want it to be a little spooky. Uh, we designed it for the fall season, um, and we designed it to be not sterilized enough for company use, but it's it's a little cleaner. So if companies wanted to use it for team building or office parties, they could. And, you know, they would know the experience wouldn't take over two hours. Mm-hmm. They know they wouldn't have people like uh, uncomfortable about some of the apocalypticness of Lost Temple or uh, Lovecraftian uh, squelchiness getting yeah. through. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it it's fun for kind of a, a slightly more hip or edgy office that, that wants to do, you know, something that's, that's kind of playful in that office space. So those two games use uh, a digital game system that we developed in house. Um, that's worked really well when we were going into the Christmas season, uh, when we were approaching the holiday season, um, we wanted to put together something that used that as a basis, but also would make a great gift to receive. Um, because you can give the digital codes, you can give, you know, plays of, uh, lost temple and floor 13, but it's not something for people to, to open. And, and we, we weren't sure it was going to be great for us over Christmas when we really, really needed to, to have the support to keep our, keep our lights on. Um, so, uh, in what would it be? late October, mid October, we started designing something uh, that we'd been playing around with since the beginning of the pandemic, which is solve our shirts. Uh, It's a play at home escape room. That's all based around a t-shirt as the central prop that has uh, clues and secrets and storytelling elements. And the pack comes with a lot of other in world documents uh, that goes along with it. But we feel like it really differentiated itself from other play at home escape rooms and how it went around this central prop that you could then keep forever and wear forever and is still a useful thing to have in that everybody needs shirts. Um, and so in the future, we hope that we're going to do uh, a few more of those this year. I'm not sure if we're going to do any strictly digital games. We've got to really get a sense on how the market is. Cause even though ours are pretty highly esteemed, there's just a lot of competition in the market and a lot of good games, like games that people you can tell have been working on since June and just released and stuff like that. So yeah, that's hard to get there's out there. So much, I mean, we haven't even played, you know, anywhere near as much as we need to play to know kind of where the market is now. So I think, you know, uh, we may do more digital games in the future, but I know, uh, you know, we're going to focus on the solver shirts right now because I think that is, that is very different from what everybody else is doing. And that that's kind of how, you know, we always want to be. Yeah. And if, uh, if the, if the market isn't quite there, they will stick around forever and we'll sell them as like Christmas presents for the next two years instead of, uh, just, uh, over the next 10 months. 
And the question we ask everybody, because it's super important to shout out other creators and to drive the community forward, is what games are you playing currently that you think our listeners should check out? So, um, I mean, this recommendation has been echoed uh, on all the lists this year. We had an absolute blast of a time playing Miss Jezebel um, a few weeks ago. That was fantastic. Uh, Right now, we are just about to set up on the big three of uh, well-recommended play-at-home games. We've been waiting for a good opportunity to uh, to sit down with uh, with some of our quarantine pod and play. Uh, I think we have right over there on the shelf Witchery Spell, uh, Soup, and um, the first episode of Society of Curiosities. Uh, and we've played their non-physical. We've played Society of Curiosities non-physical stuff, but um, and that was fantastic the mysterious map heist, I believe. Um, but we're, we're really excited to get into it. Um, and one of the great things is, uh, those creators are very supportive on some of the Facebook groups that are out there, um, on Instagram, on other social media to, uh, help lift up the entire genre. Like people are recommending what they are playing and I can't say how much uh, how much support and goodwill we've gotten from other creators who have played Lost Temple and talked about it, and that's that's helped us out a ton. And we're really excited to dive into these uh, meteor games. Yeah, I don't really have too much to add to that, uh, but I will say uh, we the other Avatar game that really sticks out to me is I loved Evil Dead Two so much. That one was so much fun. Um, we're we're big evil dead fans, uh, in this household. So that was a blast. Yeah. And, uh, uh, we're friends with the, the fuzzy logic folks. They've been killing it. Um, they did some of the cleanest implementation of avatar driven games that I think I've seen. Um, and I think it really played to the strengths of their games that it allowed people to focus on the puzzles and the great avatar kind of GM experience. Jason is just the absolute best avatar GM. And if you haven't played a fuzzy logic game with Jason GMing, you need to, it is just an absolute joy. It's like you're hanging out with your new best friend. That was awesome. That was a sick interview. (laughs) Very sick. I know. No, they're, they are awesome. They are very great. They are. I know they're just juggling so much right now between trying to get their, uh, escape room back into regular working order. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I don't think we talked a whole lot about at the interview, but that we had a little side conversation with them is just the really the safety precautions that they're working through to make sure that their customers and yeah. their employees are safe, kind of trying to work us back into this post COVID situation that we're all living into. So yeah. shout outs to them for that. Very much so. Uh, if you want to play the games that we have talked about today, Please, please, please head over to cuadventures.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, adventures.com. Oh, that threw me off. I thought it was going to be S-E-E-Y-O-U. Or S-E-A, like it was going to be a C. That would have been pretty sick, am I right? Yeah, somehow in this whole talk today, we forgot to mention that all of their adventures are nautical. Yep. But no, the letter C, the letter U, adventures.com. Uh, and play their games immediately if you have a printer at home. Rock yes. and roll. There's some. Um, and then for us, uh, what you can do to help us on our adventure here at Puzzling Company, go to what are we on? We're on Facebook. Facebook. We're on Google. Instagram. 
We're on Instagram. Our podcast is live on Spotify. It's live on Apple. It's live on Google. It's live on Stitcher. Stitcher. A lot of different platforms. Go and please set us up for a regular download. Yes, please. It helps us in our future endeavors and just lets us know that there are people out there that are actually listening to us and, and want to keep having these cool interactions with us. And please send us a message sometime. If you are a fellow reviewer or someone that plays games a lot, hit us up. We'd love to have your feedback to include it in the show. Yes. Also, uh, if you ever have any things you want to ask us or like to potentially give us feedback on what you like about the show, what you don't, what you thought we could do, always just hit us up on our social medias as well. We're yeah. Glad to answer. Absolutely. Now, we did say something that we have to clarify. What? At the beginning of the show. Okay. What was it? Our next episode. What about it? I'm super excited about our next episode. I still don't know what we're doing. Okay, so our friends, David and Lisa. Uh, wait, 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 okay. They're from uh, Room Escape Artist, right? Room Escape Artist. Great job, Zach. You okay. passed the test. Oh, thank God. They have agreed to come on the next episode and talk about the blockbuster sensation that is Box One. What? Yes. That's awesome. A game that we played, that we enjoyed. But what we're going to do a little different since our buddy Neil Patrick Harris wasn't available for an interview. It's really unfortunate. I'm going to his party later, though, so I'll, I'll talk to him. About okay, it. yeah, if you would, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. But we're going we're gonna to switch the format up a little bit just for this next episode. So in segment two, we're going to ask David and Lisa to Ooh. review what other people are saying about this game. And then at the end, we're going to have a really cool, really spirited discussion just kind of about the state of the industry Yeah, um, with two people that have been playing these games longer than Zach and I have, if we're oh, being completely honest. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and really have dug into this world on side of what they mostly do, which is real-life escape rooms and yeah. other immersive experiences. But we're going to be having a really cool discussion. Tune in. If, if you were to ask me what episode should you not miss, it's going to be this next episode. Don't miss any of them. Don't miss any of them, but next week is going to be super, super cool. Yes. And we will be posting uh, a link so that we can get your feedback to give David and Lisa for the next episode. Yes. Well, all right. We're going to get on out of here. We're going to go try to fight through the snowpocalypse, icepocalypse on the way home. But thank you so much for listening with us today. For Jared and Zach, this is Puzzling Company. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling.